The Ebony's and the Ivory podcast is a bi-weekly dialogue with Dr. Dejalon Jackson-Bell and Dr. Lakeitha Poole. Through the EITI podcast, we plan to promote our mission of dispelling myths, rewriting narratives, and championing women of color in higher education. All views expressed through this podcast are our own, do not represent any entity with which we are affiliated, and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit our website at www.ebonysintheivory.com. You are now tuned in to Ebony's in the Ivory. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Ebony's in the Ivory, the podcast. I'm super, super excited to be here as always with my lovely, lovely, lovely co-host, Dr. Bell. How you doing? Hi, everybody. I'm good. Hope you guys are doing good this week. And this is your other host, Dr. Poole. And as always, we are super excited you are tuned in for another episode um, as always, we always like to remind you to make sure that if you haven't already that you've subscribed, but if you're listening, you probably have, but make sure you tell a friend. Um, you can find us on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts and also connect with us through all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, and our website, of course, where you can find um, previous episodes as well as our blog um, and just find out more about what we have going on. So... We're going to jump into episode 11 yeah. of the show. Episode 11. I can't believe we're on episode 11. Dr. I Paul. know. It's kind of crazy. So we only have our season finale up next before we take a little break and resume in the new year. That makes me happy and sad at the same time. I know. Because it's just, I mean, this is our first year and we kind of watched, you know, everybody's in the ivory, you know, birth and then, mm-hmm. you know, just go through um the year since we presented um at the nbcc symposium and it's just been a delight to be a part of and to watch and to interact and i don't know like it's just crazy that we're almost at season finale i know but that also means we get to do more fun stuff have more fun conversations and keep this thing going yes 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 so um Today we're going to talk about, touch on, expound upon um, the last blog post, which was entitled Go Full Out. Um, So in the blog, I kind of talked about my experiences um, growing up and um, experiences in my sorority. So I know you guys read, um, going full out is a phrase that we used to use um, whenever it was time to perform and going full out means like giving full exertion like giving everything that you have and um you know just not being afraid of greatness so as I was thinking about my experiences and um not being afraid of greatness I kind of started doing some research um about the fear of greatness as it pertains to you know people who desire to be successful and something I came across so let me tell y'all something okay so Abraham Maslow if y'all know <laughs> y'all heard of him let me tell y'all this man gave me a word um so if you guys have heard of him um you probably heard of uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs um so he says that in order to be self-actualized or to get to a, a state of self-actualization where you're thriving um certain basic needs have to be met first mm-hmm. um so you know basic needs safety psychological needs esteem needs things like that um and and only by following that hierarchy can you actually reach self uh actualization but um i found where he um he wrote a book entitled um the farther reaches of human nature and in the book he discuss the fear of greatness so i just kind of want to talk about some of the quotes that i I, when i researched this found and it it, it really just it touched my soul 
Um, so he said that, or he was convinced that uh, within us exists, exists, excuse me, an impulse to achieve greatness and an urge to move forward and towards our highest possibilities. He says, but few people actually achieve anything of great worth. Um, and he says that while there are various reasons for this, um, it's simply because we fear our greatness more than we desire greatness. Mm. Um, so like I said, as we're talking about like the fear of greatness and like going full out and like, um, doing what you're capable of and not, you know, being afraid of how others will look at you as you pursue greatness. I think it just, it really resonated with me. Um, he also spoke about, well, he gave an example of how he asked his, Maslow, I think he was born in like 1907 Mm -hmm. and died about 1970. Um, so it's not too far. Um, he's not too far removed and he is a great in the field of psychology. Um, but he used to ask his students which one among them would write a novel or become a great poet or become a great leader or composer. And he said that when he asked them, everybody would kind of get shy and like start giggling and blushing and squirming. And he used to, you know, respond back and say, well, if you, if not you, then who else? Mm-hmm. Like who else is going to do it if not you? If no one um, does, yeah. Exactly. And he said, you know, The truth is, is that if you deliberately plan to be less than what you are capable of being, then I warn you that you'll be deeply unhappy for the rest of your life and you'll be evading, evading your own capacities and your own possibilities. So, like, I'm just at this point, I'm like, oh, my gosh. okay, like, you know, I know Maslow from his hierarchy of needs, but like he's really giving me a word. He goes on further to say that some people for some people, this evasion of one's own growth Um, settling for low levels of aspiration, the fear of doing what one is capable of doing, voluntary self-crippling. He said these are, in fact, defenses against grandiosity, arrogance, self-pride, and hubris. He says that there are people who cannot manage that graceful integration between humility and pride, which is absolutely necessary for creative work. And to invent or create, you must have an arrogance of creativeness which so many people or investigators have noticed. He says, but of course, if you only have the arrogance and you don't have the humility that is paired with with that, then you are in fact delusional. And you must be aware not only of your godlike possibilities, but also of the existential human limitations. So to me, I don't know. I think that when I read that and look at that, I think about how often, you know, as women, sometimes we get caught up and we sort of dim our light, mm-hmm. um, despite, you know, what we know that we're capable of doing and what we're capable of being, it comes off, well, we don't want to come off as too arrogant, yeah. or we don't come, we don't want to come off as, you know, thinking, thinking you all that, you know, we grow mm-hmm. up, she thinks she all that, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and to counteract that, we dim our, our, our greatness and we dim our light and, and, then that produces a fear of of greatness and success. So I'm doing more research. So I come across an article um, from Psychology Today, um, and they quote a hypnotherapist, and she's a life coach. Her name is Tia Kane. She says that fears of success tend to cluster around several issues. One of the core fears that arise from change is the success is that success will lead to loneliness mm-hmm. and it's kind of what we spoke about on the last podcast mm-hmm. being a woman of color in a relationship yep. being successful and how that affects how you relate view relationships or if you deem yourself worthy enough to have a relationship or how you interact in relationships mm-hmm. um she says that women especially fear success because they're afraid that being powerful enough to create the life that they want will render them unlovable and sometimes people fear success um, because they feel that that automatically means that they'll be attacked by their enemies or besieged by others wanting mon- money or other things from them. And that kind of reminds me of the term survivor's guilt mm-hmm. and how that, you know, people who um, come from environments where they don't see a lot of success and a lot of people don't make it out when they do make it out. You know, it's it's survivor's guilt. Is oh, I feel bad, or people are looking at me from my hometown. Like, who does she think she is? Or yeah. don't forget where you came from. We know you. Like, we know who your mom is. We know who your dad is. Like, how dare you? You know, you're not better than us. 
Um, and she says that all fears of success will go away if we totally took our power back as women. And she says, in fact, our very deepest fear is that when we really reclaim our power and succeed, we have to face the knowledge that we've always been powerful the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we've had the power to change. And we could have changed a year or five years or ten years ago. Um, and that change comes from choices. And we've always had the power to make a choice. And that, it kind of reminds me of uh, Marion Edelman's um, quote, our deepest fear is mm-hmm. not that we are inadequate but in fact that we are powerful beyond measure um so i feel like that was really interesting um just to i don't know just to look at um success and the fear of success um from that standpoint and then i looked further did some more research because we gotta (laughs) have our receipts um so i found an article from live bold and bloom um the website and they talked about um why people have a fear of success some reasons are like we said relationship consequences and that you might be afraid of how your success can impact your relationships people might reject you um or become jealous just as we said earlier with Mm -hmm. what tia kane outlined others might demand more of your time or money or expect more from you than you want to give you also um might see failure um or you might feel that you have the potential for failure um, and that you recognize that the more you achieve, there's a greater possibility for failure. You mm-hmm. know, as, as church people say, like, new new level, new devil. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, that's what uh, they say. That's what they say. <laughs> uh, you have a fear. You might have a fear of climbing too high on the ladder of success because the fall will be much more painful mm-hmm. um, the higher that you succeed. And then also some might have a discomfort with change. Um, She says that when, or the article says, when we're successful, change is inevitable. And we become different people in the eyes of others and also in our own eyes. And just in the sense that change can be deeply uncomfortable, of course. Um, It it, it requires death of the old self, Mm -hmm. which is very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we become to fear this new person and we fear how others will respond to our success and our new selves. And then also, lastly, is the resistance resistance to challenge um, and that success sets the bar higher than it was before. And we are expected to perform at a higher level, which might mean harder work, more hours and continue challenging. I can relate to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you go to, like we said, a different, a new level, a higher level, there are going to be different expectations and Mm -hmm. um, there are going to be different responsibilities and Mm -hmm. to whom much is given, much is required. Yeah. Um, So the article also says that we may also have to give up more of our time and our energy, that being with our loved ones, our spouses, our significant others, um, and we aren't sure that we want that. So the article goes on to, and I'm just going to kind of run through these, the 10 surefire ways to conquer the fear of success. Because we never want to just speak negatively and then not give you all um, something that you that's tangible that you can use. So yeah. um, one, the first surefire way is to reclaim authenticity. Um, it says that if you desire success and have the potential for it, then choosing to avoid it is a choice to be someone that you are not. So if you're capable and you're not following in your capability or you're not living in your truth, then you are choosing to be someone that you're not. You're being inauthentic Mm -hmm. Um, and recognizing that you can't really be happy and fully fulfilled if you compromise your values, goals or integrity for fear. I just think Um, that's so like profound and that so many people end up limiting their ability to be successful because they choose to then compromise what they know to be true about themselves and then also, you know, what they know works for them versus like, you know, maybe what they're told to be or something that goes against their values. It's I just think that's that is like one of the best statements I have heard in a very long time. Yeah, um, yeah I, I totally agree with yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like you said, or doing what people told you to do or people doing not doing what people told you you couldn't do mm-hmm. um and that like you say limiting yourself and not reaching your full potential 
um, not following your dreams, not knowing um, or acting upon what you know you're capable of, um, it's, it's a disservice to yourself. And it's like, it's not, you're not living in your truth. Right. Um, so I appreciate it, you know, even just that first um, way to reclaim greatness and to conquer the fear of success. Secondly, is to accept discomfort. Um, so it says that all change, even for the better, involves some level, some level of discomfort and uncertainty. And we fear discomfort. Um, we fear that it will be unbearable or worse than it actually is. Um, and by accepting the inevitability of discomfort, you minimize the effect of it. And the joys of success often offset um, or make discomfort bearable. And I, I mean, I think when you get to a point where you're chasing success and you're pursuing greatness, you have to understand. And I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. Is that there's going to be hardship. Like it's not going to be, um, it's not going to be easy. It's something that um, you will have to work for, and it's not going to feel good. Mm-mm. Like the doctoral process does not feel good, or what you know, the the your academic journey. I'm sure that doesn't feel good, or going through an interview process. Right, even applying, like even the the application process where you have to submit to these people who don't know anything about you, you know, a personal statement and all of like your grades and all these things. And for them to create, a, I mean, it's basically a judgment about you, about your worthiness. Um, That is very uncomfortable. But when you understand that this is, you know, a step in the process or, or, you know, towards the bigger goal by being able to kind of minimize you know what it actually feels like is definitely helpful so that you can get past that and get to the excitement around like getting that acceptance letter or finding out that you got funding for that project that you wanted to do or you know getting that first job offer um it's it's definitely worth it the discomfort doesn't last no and it it reminds me my mom used to always tell me she used to say we do what we have to do so we can do what we want to do Mm mm-hmm um, and sometimes what we have to do is very uncomfortable, but that discomfort is what inevitably leads to greatness. So it's something that something that is definitely necessary. And it reminds me of this quote from Denzel Washington. He says that ease is a greater threat to progress than hardship. Mm. So expecting the journey to be easy or um, responding in a way that you expect the journey to be easy kind of impedes your journey in yeah. a sense and, and it threatens progress of your journey because you're, you're setting expectations and we're actually going to talk about that um, further down well actually it's the next one is to release shoulds um, one of the success traps is the belief that we should be someone or do something because others around us or society tells us to do um, and it goes back to being authentic and living um, within our truth and within our integrity and accepting and embracing what we know is best for us and that, you know, I should do this and I, if they did this or their timeline was this or this is what they studied, then that's what I have to do because that, you know, that's the model of success that I need to follow and that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it really isn't the case ever. Um, so releasing those shoulds, it kind of reminds me of, um, Think of like thoughts that um, that are already like self defeating. Exactly, mm-hmm. like thoughts that like encapsulate you, or like those mm-hmm. those thoughts that that um, I should be doing this. Uh-huh. They're really black and white, and and, and don't allow any area of right. gray. Don't allow any flexibility. Um, so in that, there is no should. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's path is different. Um, everybody's walk is different. And there's not anything that you should do. Like, you create your own path. I'm going to think of it, and then I'm going to be mad when I thought about <laughs> what the actual term is. Because I just said it at work, like, two days ago. Cognitive okay. distortions? Is that it? <sighs> it probably, girl, Maybe. probably. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> um, I'm going to be mad when I do. When you do. I'm going to be real mad. Because um, it's, like, one of my favorite um, concepts as it relates to CBT. I just can't think of it right now. Um, fourth, um, the fourth surefire way to um, to embrace greatness is to and to conquer the fear of success is to enjoy the challenge. Um, the article says that we often fear challenges because we think we'll fail, 
or anticipate hard work or drudgery. Um, and this is very um, relatable to people who are procrastinators, um, which I can sometimes be. Uh, but um, thankfully, I haven't let that stop me so far. And that you know that something's going to be a challenge. Um, however, they say challenges can be positive and enjoyable. They stretch us and they keep us focused and they help our minds to be engaged so that we lose track of time. So kind of shifting our thinking from um, seeing challenges as negative into seeing them as moments or opportunities for growth um, is another way to conquer the fear of success. Um, Also, the next um, surefire way is to reframe failure. Mm -hmm. So what is success versus what is failure? Says the fear of success is often a, a disguise for the fear fear of failure. To attempt success, you put yourself at risk of fail of falling on your face. However, if you view failure as a stepping stone to success, then there's nothing to fear. So it kind of reminds me of like my personal mantra of either I win or I learn. I don't lose ever. And that's just my personal, mm-hmm. my personal mantra is there's, there's no losing. There's winning or there's learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so reframing, reframing failure and loss as just a opportunity to learn and a stepping stone. Next one is don't think, just act. Uh, you might be sabotaging your success unconsciously. Um, but on the other hand, you could be overthinking it. Overthinking leads to confusion, analysis, paralysis, and unnecessary procrastination. Um, Since you do have to analyze decisions and choose your best actions, but set a thinking deadline after which you must take take action. Don't allow rumination to continue indefinitely. Do you find that you overthink things sometimes, Dr. Poole? Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Because of, like, I think a multitude of reasons. I think it's just more so... Um, when you are, which most people who go to graduate school, pursue advanced degrees, all these things, we tend to be a little bit more of perfectionist. And so you want to make your choice the right choice. Um, I'm also an introvert. And so I think about everything before I act because I have to use my energy wisely, both mentally and physically. So it's easier for me to sit and think through a problem before acting and think of all the possible scenarios and outcomes before like just jumping in. So yes, I'm definitely an overthinker. Um, but I think it's more so to make sure then like my choice or my action or my decision is the best one. I agree. Um, I can overthink like nobody's business. Um, and I have to catch myself and like Mm -hmm. capture, capture those thoughts and, like okay like you're you're worrying about something that may not even happen um and you're overthinking about and you're analyzing i love researching analyzing things but that is not really conducive to my thought life just on a on a day-to-day basis (laughs) um so i really like capture my thoughts and like pull them back in um and try to restructure because that is something that i definitely struggle with and deal with the next one is to find your tribe and I know we had um, a blog and a podcast um, you know previously in the year about cultivating your tribe Um, just to align yourself with people who aren't afraid of success and who joyfully go after it um, knowing that they are fully deserving of everything success provides to them and it says that the quality of people you surround yourself with influences your own state of mind and outlook and allow you need to allow the success mindset to rub off on you from others. Um, that kind of reminds me of the thought that, you know, we shouldn't be the smartest people in the room. Like if we're the smartest, but my dad says this all the time, if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to go find you some new friends because how can you elevate? <laughs> true. How can you elevate when you, you don't have an example or a model mm-hmm. around you mm-hmm. or go find a mentor or somebody, somebody. Cause you're not the smartest person in the world. And right. you, everybody has room to grow. And if you're not growing, you're dying. Um, so finding people that you can associate yourself with and al- align yourself with who have a success mindset, who aren't crabs in the barrel, who aren't just satisfied with mediocrity and, you know, surrounding yourself with those people and, and that kind of spurring, um, you know, greatness and success in you. Um, the article 
suggest that as well. The next one is to celebrate every milestone. And I personally have a problem with this. Um, Not that I have a problem with celebrating every milestone, but I have a problem with doing it for myself because I don't really like praise. Mm -hmm. I don't like to be in the spotlight. Like, I'll just be like, like somebody like a compliment or praise me for like something. I'm just like, oh, okay, like, okay, girl. Yeah, you brush it off. (laughs) Yeah, like, okay. (laughs) Like, what am I supposed to Like, thank you, but like, um, it makes you in a sense uncomfortable at the same time um i can't be uncomfortable with it when i'm you know as you know a co-founder of ebony's and the ivory we want you guys to tell us our success your mm-hmm, successes so mm-hmm. that we can praise you all so i think it's kind of, kind of contradictory of me not to want to be uh, celebrated when we want to celebrate every milestone for you all so that's something that i have to get comfortable with in myself I mean, as you spoke about, I'm an introvert too, so I do not like all the attention on me. Like, I am not trying to, and I talk about that in the blog as well. Like, I do not want to be the center of attention, but also in a way that can stifle me exhibiting greatness in a sense in some areas. Um, because I know I, I can do a good job, but I don't necessarily need to be in the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of a just the internal like competition um an internal tug of war within myself is to reconcile that yeah what do you think about that Dr. Who um I agree I think it's just a way for you to be able to I don't know kind of combine those two things really too to make sure you like are giving yourself the Uh, A relief to not overthink even the good things that you do like what we were talking about a few minutes ago but then to like be in competition with yourself because in the grand scheme of things nobody else really matters in my opinion um and so I think like when you have the right people around you when you have sort of that thought process it all just fits really well together and so I don't know. I think that just makes for, and obviously for from a mental health perspective, uh, makes it much easier to manage the things that come with finding success, dealing with the challenges. Um, you just don't perceive it in the same way. You don't experience it in the same way either. Yeah, and it kind of reminds me of what we just spoke about as far as Maslow talking about that kind of sweet spot between arrogance and humility and how you need it small sense of arrogance but you need to be able to join that to humility and that's how you become your best creative self um that's how you produce greatness is to know that yes arrogantly i am capable of doing what i need to do um but also i'm humble enough to know that you know i'm not the smartest person in the world um and humble enough to be you know be a learner be a student or be whatever um, and still learn from others but know what I bring to the table as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what um, comes along with celebrating every milestone. I know I accomplished something but I know I have more to do. Yeah, I agree. And the next one says to have a vision and we all know how important that is and I know that we've spoken about that um, in previous um, blogs and podcasts, and it's something that we'll be talking about um, in the near future, but creating a vision for the life that you want and setting goals to make sure that that vision becomes a reality um, and that, you know, you're outlining specifically what you want to do, writing the vision and making it plain. Um even if success feels uncomfortable, mm-hmm. knowing that, you know, the success that you're seeking is part of a bigger plan right. and how your your greatness and your success, again, like, is a part of a bigger plan and leads to something bigger than you. And then lastly, it's to enjoy the journey. So fun is always important. Um, being successful, um, you know, we should celebrate every milestone, as we said earlier, and to just enjoy the journey and enjoy when we reach benchmarks and take pressure off ourselves as best as we can as we said you know most people who are successful have some sense of perfectionism um so taking the pressure off and and enjoying the journey and not being so stressed that you can't even enjoy when you've accomplished something or completed mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. so those were again 10 surefire ways to 
conquer the fear of success. And what I want to know from you, Dr. Poole, is have you ever experienced, and you kind of touched on it a bit, experienced the fear of success and greatness at any point that you can recall? Definitely during, since we talk about this the most, like the doctoral process. I mean, you work really hard to get to that point. Just like we were talking about, you're waiting for like acceptances, you're going through the interview process and you're doing all these things and you know that you have the goal of finishing, you know that you have the goal of earning that title. Um, But there is this like fear of like the then what? So then you're expected now that you have this title to like do something with it right so produce publications or get this like a great job whatever become faculty and all those are good things but they then create almost like a web that you get caught in of like okay well when when do you reach that point of like it being not necessarily it being enough but it being like a place where you at least feel that you've accomplished what you set out to do and so I don't necessarily know that it translates fully into like the fear of success, but I think it definitely is a fear of like, well, I've mapped all these things out and then what? Like, what if that doesn't or what if it doesn't happen? You know, we've been pretty transparent on the show about moments that we've had throughout the process where, you know, you almost quit or I've had days. I'm pretty certain when we were writing where I was like, I'm not doing this no more. Like, you know, (laughs) we, we had a lot of those days. Yeah. And I had to just, you know close the laptop for that day go to bed and then start over the next day because I just maybe was reaching a point of feeling burned out or just frustrated or whatever so um I think in I think in thinking about like post um graduation or completing the doctoral process the fear still remains of like okay, what are the expectations? Which is why I thought those tips were really great where you can't hold yourself to the expectations of other people and you can get very much caught in your head of like, well, now I, you know, I'm Dr. Poole, so people are going to expect a certain person when uh-huh. you come into uh-huh. the room or a certain, um, you know, caliber of like writing or whatever um, uh-huh. that it really is just none of their business, but also like, uh-huh. um, but also is not about them like it's it's me this is my journey this is my success nobody else was sitting there writing that with me what's up you but like (laughs) but like you know what I mean like nobody else was in my head or are up those those like late nights or early mornings because those were you were not doing that um because you didn't want to get up (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's and so it's it's just you do get stuck in your head fearing that like the success may be wasn't earned in the way that people uh-huh. might assume uh-huh. even though I know I earned it I know for a fact because I still have the bags under my eyes like to yeah. prove it but it's just like that is definitely something that you know I think it goes away or I think you have moments where you don't think of it think of it at all and um you're brave and you you know you enjoy like the last tip said like enjoy the journey in itself and you just get there and you realize that like it was worth it, but um, I definitely can feel that. I definitely feel it at times, too, when um, connecting with, like, you know, childhood friends or people that just yeah. um, chose a different path. It didn't right. mean that my path was better, um, but sometimes their, you know, their comments or the way in which, like, they might treat you differently. They think they right. have to talk to you differently or they think you won't still want to go to the corner store with them or whatever. Like being able to realize that that part is something that creates a little bit of fear or anxiety in me because I I don't want anybody to ever think that I am different. But at the same time, because of the fact that I know I earn this success, I, I almost kind of work really hard to try to dismiss that and just be me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like what you said about um, like people who knew you before mm-hmm. so that in a sense whenever I've achieved whatever milestone or graduated with whatever um I've in the past worried about that like are people gonna think I'm too much now or like what are people gonna and I, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that you know I'm confident in myself but I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that I've never thought or worried what other people thought of me um 
especially as it relates to that is, you know, do, do people think that I'm, I've changed or do people think that I think I'm better than them now? I've had those thoughts and, um, you know, worried, I'm worried about, you know, what that's going to look like or what success is going to look like now mm-hmm. as far as how people perceive me. Um, and like I said before, to answer the question that you just did, um, I don't like the spotlight. I never have, and I probably never will. Um, <laughs> but it's like I said, it's kind of a fight, an internal fight within me. Is to okay, you don't like the spotlight, but you have things that you need to get done, and that might thrust you into the spotlight, mm-hmm. and you have to deal with that because there's, you know, there's a greater purpose. Like there's a there's a greater purpose for your life, and if that means that you got to be in the spotlight to get whatever you need to get done or accomplished, then that's what you got to do. Um, and I think for me, as far as talking about like the fear of success is, you know, knowing that, you know, you'll get thrust into, or even just like defending your dissertation. You have all these people in the room looking at you and you're like, okay, like you want me to defend why I did this or you want me to state, you know, why I thought this was a good idea and stand behind these 162 pages, 170 pages that I wrote in this document. And and I think also, just like you said, with that whole process, there was a certain fear of success is that I know if I get to this level, mm-hmm. there are certain things that are going to be required of me. Um, there are certain things that um, people are going to look to me for. You know, people are going to look to me for advice and maybe I'm tired today. Um, people are going to ask me to look over their stuff now or people are going to ask me for advice, you know, when they go through the process. And that's scary because I have to make myself available mm-hmm. or make myself vulnerable or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've dealt with that um, definitely. And just like I said, spoke referring back to the to the blog, um, just being, you know, someone who was you know a gifted and talented kid a gt kid and mm-hmm. like trying not to dumb my own self down right. in the sense that i didn't want anybody like i said i think I, you know i'm better than you because i'm in this gt program <laughs> i'm i'm in the trailers outside i'm getting pulled out by the teachers mm-hmm. and people looking at you like what you getting pulled out for where you going mm-hmm. like what you doing? I remember the trailers. I was in the yes. trailer. <laughs> <laughs> or the T buildings as they call it, the portables, whatever you want to call it. Um, and just being like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, dimming my Trying to brush light. it off, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Trying to brush it off. And it's like, not even, like, I don't know, embracing the fact that the you fullness. were like fabulous and exactly. like, yeah, yeah, and worked not really hard. And yeah. So in that sense, yes, I've definitely dealt with the fear of success and that I don't want to be in the spotlight. And I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I had to do what I had to do because my mama was going to make me do it. But <laughs> um, just having attention, you know, or being thrust into the spotlight or being thrust into um, receiving attention, it wasn't always comfortable for me. I've gotten a lot better with it and I'm not just too like afraid of the spotlight anymore but that's something that I've had to contend with Mm -hmm. um you know all of my life so I think that that definitely speaks to my experience with experiencing the fear of success do you think or as women of color do you think we're especially prone to dimming our light or or suppressing our greatness Dr. Pope um yes and I think for I think for a few different reasons I think because Sometimes we're directly made to feel that we should. Like, it's not even, you know, um, covert. It's blatant. Um, Sometimes, you know, where it's... And and sometimes that could just be just by being a woman in general in society. But then I think it's more so because the expectation is that we are typically not in the room or or at the board table making the decisions or you know, being a director or those sort of things are like not the norm for people. And so I think people instantly view women of color in such roles or having made even the achievement of gain of being called doctor, um, Uh 
this like anomaly and something that we just shouldn't be doing or the ones that have done it like there's some special reason why we got called that versus just working hard um Mm -hmm. and so I do think like yes where it's just sort of like blatant and it happens and then I think there are the times where you you as a woman of color feel a a a need to and I don't even want to call it a need but I think like pressure to because of I'm just saying because of being around mediocre people. And so, so I think that happens in settings where a lot of times as, you know, a woman, particularly as a woman of color, we don't have the privilege to be unprepared for a meeting or we don't have the privilege to not have proofread, you know, something that goes out to the department or um, like we just don't have that flexibility. And so it puts a pressure on you to then you know, not be the person that like will volunteer to lead an initiative because then that means it has to come out perfect. Even though if somebody else were to take on the role, a man, a non-person of color, you know, missteps can happen along the way and no one will think a thing of it. And yet if a misstep happens and a woman of color happens to be in charge or maybe even just a person of color, um, it is like then a reflection of their whole race and gender. Um, and people just don't have to experience that. And so um, I have been in plenty of meetings. And that's why I was like, I'm going to just say it. <laughs> because where I have shown up to meetings. I think I even called you after one particular meeting that is in my mind and told you about how I just could not take mediocre people. Um, and I think it's because of the fact that just like what we've been talking about this whole episode, like we work so hard. Um, to fight through the challenges, to get beyond our own thoughts about why we why we don't deserve, you know, positions or titles, and then to get into a room where people have maybe the same qualifications, years of experience, they get the same respect from everybody, and yet you're the only one as the woman of color that has to not feel like you can shine, um, and that it frustrates me for sure. And I think that because of it, we've now like trained ourselves to um, just kind of like, you know, downplay our, our greatness and downplay, you know, all of what we actually bring to the table, which is like very hard to do because I mean, we shine very bright. And so um, it takes a lot of effort to do that. But I think again, because of, challenges because of you know um institutional policies and practices Uh that happen Uh we just have now learned to do that i think we're i think because of things like you know girl power black girl magic like all these things that are now a part of like our vocabulary and our culture it's coming back around where we are not we're becoming more fearless and not shameful of you know what we bring to the table that sometimes might shine a little brighter than other people and for us to realize that's not about us that's about them and maybe needing to step their game up so um i definitely think that we we are we are more inclined to do it i don't think we automatically do it all the time but it definitely depends on the setting you're in and what you're used to how you're used to being treated um right you know based on whether or not you would do it i I, you took the words right out of my mouth because when i you know formulated that question my first thought was how much i appreciate the black girl magic movement Mm -hmm. um in that it allows you know black women to highlight the things that um you know we're good at and the things that we do well um and to highlight our greatness um you know people often i don't know was it malcolm x i can't remember who it was who said that the black woman um, is the most disrespected of, person yes. in America. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing that, because we have sort of that, what I like to, you know, play off of um, W.E.B. Du Bois's um, double consciousness when he speaks about being a black man um, and an American in this nation, I like to call it a triple consciousness, um, being a black woman, being black, being a woman and being American um, mm-hmm. in this nation. Um, how difficult it is to navigate and how um, difficult it is to navigate that intersectionality. Um, so 
I, I appreciate, you know, the Black Girl Magic movement and, you know, anything related to that because it allows us to highlight, you know, our greatness as, as Black women. Um, and I agree with what you said about, you know, us just being conditioned to dim our light and to suppress because we've often been judged for speaking for the race Mm -hmm. or not wanting to um, be a reflection if we make a mistake. We're not allowed to make a mistake. So, you know, thinking of the episode on Scandal where she's talking to Papa Pope, um, they're doing a flashback and he's saying you have to be twice as good Mm -hmm. to even be on that level. And that's something that I know my mama told me growing up um, constantly. Mm-hmm. all day every day mm-hmm. you have to be twice as good to even be where they are mm-hmm. and you have to work thrice as much to mm-hmm. be better than them um so and them being majority culture right but i think that we definitely do um dim our light um and suppress our greatness sometimes for fear that we'll be judged or we'll, we'll be looked at as like the woman of color that's doing too much like you being real extra right now yeah um you know you're doing a lot it don't take all that like but that's i don't know like that's who that's who we are as women of color like Mm -hmm. we have stories and experiences that make us who we are Mm -hmm. that that are unique to us and make us unique um and that separate us from from majority culture um that define us and and um, give us pride in who we are um, and when you, you're you not in an environment that embraces that you know you have sometimes you feel that you have no choice but to suppress it mm-hmm. um, so it's definitely you know something to think about and um, as we gave the 10 surefire ways to com- combat that um, you know, that's something I'm, I'm going to have in the forefront of my mind is how have I been dimming myself subconsciously or consciously um, and how to just combat that yeah. as a woman of color. Yeah, definitely. So we'll give you guys some food for thought. Um, and while you're thinking about what we just said, we're going to go on break for yeah. a little while. We'll be right back. And we'll be right back. segments um so we're gonna first go into culture corner um and this week's culture corner is like i don't know like the audacity is like the first words that come to my mind (laughs) um so there's a washington post article um that was basically based off of a rally that charles president had um (laughs) in ohio in Cincinnati, I believe. Um, and during the rally, Dallas president um, praised General Robert E. Lee, which was, you know, the Confederate general who commandeered the South. Um, and he said that Lee was a true great fighter and a great general. And that President Lincoln, who we know has his own issues, but whatever, we're going to talk about that, um, had a phobia of Lee. And, um, well, of course, we know that Robert E. Lee had a, well, he supported slavery, mm-hmm. which kind of tarnishes, not kind of, tarnishes his legacy. Um, and his legacy is heavily contested, and it's a divisive issue. You remember when his um, great-great-great-grandson or something like that? Was it the MTV Awards 
or some one of those award shows, and he was like, I am the son of, grandson of Robert E. Lee, and I think y'all should take the statues down. Girl, you remember that? What? No, I don't. But you need to call I wish that. I would have saw it. Like, <laughs> That's what I was like, I wish yes. I would have saw it. Yeah. It was a big deal because he came out in the media. And he, well, yeah, I mean, that is He a came against deal. the statues as well. He was like, you know, my grandfather didn't do everything right, so I am have no problem with y'all taking the statues now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just kind of, him saying that at the rally, it kind of reignited the, the discussion the heated discussion um, that this nation has had in terms of removing um, statues, historical statues or historical figures um, that represented a time in our country um, that was not so pleasant. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it made people remember when y'all's president said, um, he tweeted that it's sad to see the history and culture of our great country being ripped apart with the removal of our beautiful statues and monuments. Um, those monuments that glorify advocates of slavery. Um, so, well, and you know, even like his, I'm sorry for interrupting. No, no, go ahead. Even like his, the simplicity with which he has to describe right. the statues, right? right? The beautiful. beautiful, right? So it's just That's kind of like, is that the best you can do? Because historically, do you even understand why you feel like the statues are great and like mm-hmm. why they them being taken down is sort of disrespect to our quote unquote great country? Um, that you said we needed to make great, but okay, you know. So it's just very it's it's interesting. Um, but I mean, I think that's just what happens when like a reality TV star becomes your president. So point. At this rate, I mean, you know, Cardi B for twenty twenty. So right. <laughs> so who I love, but I'm just saying, you know. We do love Cardi over here. Um. <laughs> So he goes, you know, he says all that about Lee, right? And about, you know, bringing back that discussion of statues and um, yada, yada. And then he goes on to say that black people should honor the Republican Party by voting for them. He said that in November that blacks should get away from the Democrats. He said, think of it. We have the best numbers in history. What numbers? You know, he said that um, the <laughs> it's so funny. He said that um, this is the lowest um, that black em- unemployment has reached. He also said that this is um, during his presidency. This is um the lowest that um, the lowest number of African Americans that have been in poverty. So, like, black people are raised out of poverty because of him. I think those are alternative facts because any any sort of shift like that that would take place that would happen would not happen in two years. So, what we are experiencing is a result of a previ- a previous presidency. Tell him. Um, you know, that doesn't need to be named. No introduction is needed. But what? I think it's interesting to want to take credit for that. And again, if we are trying to make a place great, then obviously you don't you don't believe that. Like that just doesn't even that's just not logical. Um He just vexes my spirit. Whatever. Keep continue. <laughs> um, he said that we have that <laughs> the best numbers in history which is funny to me um because we all know that the numbers in which our previous president produced right and even like president bill clinton but whatever like when he had a surplus whatever whatever probably Um, even bush i mean (laughs) it's just like Uh, come on anybody um (laughs) so he goes on to say, like, and this is all in one speech, guys. Um, <laughs> he also celebrated. He also celebrated um, Kanye oh. um, visit. <laughs> you remember when he visited the Oval Office mm-hmm. for the second that, or third time? Like, I mean, yeah. it's, it's not mm-hmm. like it's the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Um, saying what he did. 
did was pretty amazing and um, I have my own thoughts and I'm sure you guys do as well about that debacle with Kanye saying that um, his Make America Great Again hat um, was like a superhero cape and then he looks up to Mm. the people's president um <laughs> it was just interesting to me I'm just all of that was said at a rally um yeah about 4,000 it's just it's just a lot to pack into like he literally said this in a minute cause I watched the video mm-hmm. um it's just very interesting to see all that packed into a speech that was supposed to be um, in support of a Republican candidate, um, it had nothing to do with with the candidate's qualifications. At or, all. Mm-hmm. They didn't say anything about the candidate. Um, so it's just interesting. But that's what happens when you're narcissistic, um, and you need to be diagnosed for that disorder. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, that's that's what the. That's what we talking about in Culture Corner today. Yeah, I think it's interesting when, like, I mean, I already said this, you know, former reality TV star. So you're used to, like, gimmicks and games, right? Everything's about what stuff looks like, but not about what's truth or what's factual. Um, And so it's like... I guess I don't even want to say humorous. I, I don't know if he finds it humorous, but I think he finds it to be accurate the way in which he goes about giving such speeches and um, igniting feelings and emotions by people who, you know, agree. And what I do believe happens is that these people who buy into it are much more ill-intended, actually, than he is. I just think he yep. lacks a lot of knowledge. Like, I just think he's yep. just completely oblivious to what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that there are people who know exactly what's going on and mm-hmm. who um, utilize his words and these speeches and even the actions of, you know, our dear Kanye, who is, you know, mm-hmm. no longer invited to the cookout. Kanye. He, yeah, he's, he can't come to the cookout anymore. So, um, you know, I mean, I think those folks, it's just like a clear lack of knowledge. But then, again, the people listening and hear somebody refer to their Make America Great hat as like being a Superman cape. And now you feel like you can do anything, make somebody feel like, oh, I could do anything, you know, and and um, it's just it's just different. So. Uh, I, we just need to keep ourselves lifted up because okay. <laughs> because it's just a lot going on. Yes, and um, go vote. Like we've talked about this on the show multiple times. To. Please make sure you go vote. Um, it is necessary. So I think by the time y'all hear this, actually, I think this will come it'll out on. A, I think it'll be this will be on election day. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this today, like this morning, and you haven't gone to vote yet, please go vote. Like right now, like turn the car around, be late for work, whatever. Don't stop and get dinner. Do not pass go and collect two hundred dollars. Go to the polls right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Um Yeah, so I don't know, these just delusions of grandeur. I just to just to hear somebody say that (laughs) that black people when you've done nothing to include us or right to make us feel like a part of any part of America America. exactly and how for you to insist and demand that we honor you as if you are our dictator or something like that or our king is just it baffles me um it really that and that's why I made it um chose this because it really just it really rubbed me the wrong way yeah, I um, think you should not speak to me. Yeah. And, and, then, and then you think that because Kanye came and sat in your little office that you're going to get the black phone. And that's just very interesting to me. Um, Kanye yeah. hasn't spoken for us since like college dropout or <laughs> graduate, maybe graduation. Uh-huh. Graduation. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, I just, you know. 
him, him nor his wife, but that's a whole other. Oh, she ain't never spoke you for know, us, so that's a whole other thing. Let's get that straight. Um, yeah, but um, uh, hmm. that's okay. what that is. <laughs> and Get that culture is corner. culture corner right <laughs> uh also this week uh you guys know it's our favorite segment in the podcast yes drum roll please i can't it's the do Ebony's. that i know i know i, can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it either. i don't know how to do it um uh, maybe we should put a drum roll like, yeah we might have to like invest in that yes yeah <laughs> um our Ebony in the spotlight is none other than my dear friend, my neophyte. Um, I mean, someone who came after me in my chapter uh, of Delta Sigma Theta, Natasha Jones. Um, Tasha is currently, she just started her master's um, program in counselor ed mm-hmm. um, at the University of Houston. And... Um, it's great because we now we talk about like you know taking classes for your LPC and we talk about taking the NCE and things like that and she tells me stuff and we like diagnose people together <laughs> when we're out in public or at brunch like those are the things that we do um funny. so you know Tasha already has a master's in juvenile forensic psychology which is like very like very interesting to me um very interesting to me i don't really know what all that entails but i think it's awesome so she went back to get a master in counseling because she did want to pursue licensure and we talked about she's gonna go back um tasha you're going to go back i know you said you are but this solidifies it because now we put it on the airwaves yeah everyone um, knows now so you yeah can't, you're there's go nothing you can do no yeah like <laughs> pretty much people like or like counting on you now at this point. Yep. Um, <laughs> she's gonna go back and get her PhD after um, she finishes her sixty hours, um, her K Crep accredited sixty hours mm-hmm. um, from her program. Um, so we're looking forward, and she's like trying to fly through it. Um, it's funny because I was like, "You taking all these classes? They wouldn't let us do this when we were in our master's program. They barely would let us take like more than." two classes over the summer but she's getting it done because she has things that she needs to do Mm -hmm. and she already has a rest and she already knows what's up um she's very busy very busy honey she's very busy (laughs) booked and busy um so shout out to you tasha get your lesson in as i my my niece always tell me to get my lesson in Mm -hmm. um so i always tell her she better get her lesson in which means like (laughs) we can't be going to burns all the time and stuff like that But no, seriously, shout out to you, Tasha. Uh, we are honored to make you our Ebony's in the spotlight this yes, week. Yes, congratulations. And we are looking forward to you applying to your doctoral program. And you pretty much, like me and Dr. Poole said, you got to do it now. Because, I mean, we just kind of spoken into the atmosphere. So it has to happen. Yeah. Um, but congrats. Yay, um, congrats. So this kind of concludes... Our episode 11, Dr. Poole. Oh, man. Um, I feel like it went crazy, by very right? fast. Yes. It did. One more left. Um, so we just want to thank you all for um, being along on this journey with us, mm. riding along with us. Um, be sure to look out for our next content um, yes. before the new year. Um, and be sure to check out our hashtag EITI Tuesdays, you know that we release content every Tuesday. Um, also, be sure to please like, follow, and subscribe um, on all of our social media platforms. Uh, make sure that you also submit your fellow Ebony's in the Ivory accomplishment for the spotlight. Um, you know, me and Dr. Poole and I, we have some great friends, and we're going to continue <laughs> to shout them out. Um, and we're going to continue to, you know, acknowledge them but we also want to acknowledge your friends too right because you guys are great and your friends are doing great things um we want to celebrate all of your milestones yes um just like we said earlier as a way to conquer the fear of success so you let us know what what milestones you're celebrating Mm -hmm. or that your friends are celebrating and we're going to conquer the fear of success together yes um so we will see y'all back in about two weeks for another podcast but stay tuned again every Tuesday we release content um 
So you guys have a have a very blessed rest of your day. Mm-hmm. Dr. Poole, you want to tell the people adios? Bye. Go vote. Go vote. Go. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll see like, you guys vote. next time. Yes, next time. Go vote. Bye. Bye.